Hello and welcome to Quarter Life Coffee, the show that attempts to understand the aspects of transitioning to adulthood in your 20s. I'm your host, AJ, 22 years old, and today we're gonna kick this podcast off where it began. We're gonna talk about the first real step to adulthood, moving out. We'll discuss family dynamics, the effect of the pandemic in this major life change, and even a little background on how this podcast began. Be sure to listen all the way through for all the details. So let's talk family. Family, especially in the culture that I grew up with, has a certain dynamic that is very, very common, honestly, among all families in the Philippines. I've also talked with friends, with uh, acquaintances, about their own experiences with their families. And there seems to be something common that we share, at least in some aspects. So let's talk family dynamics. A lot of times, gifting as a love language plays a huge role in the dynamics of a family. There's always Christmas time. I think a lot of you will relate to this for like when Christmas time, especially when we were young children, we would always we would always look forward to the holidays because like Christmas, New Year, even our own birthdays, there's going to be a lot of gifts for us, right? And like our parents, our family members, our siblings would just huddle around and meet each other after maybe not seeing each other because we we all live in different places. But we would gather around into one place. We would spend time together. A A big part of that is the gift giving. So some families would even organize like Kris Kringle's uh, exchange gifts sort of thing. And I think in my own experience, especially giving gifts has always been a huge part of what makes the family stay together. I mean, that's not to say that that's the only thing that keeps us together, but it's one of those things where you can bond about it. It's one of those moments where you can just push away any negativity, any samanang loob, which is basically like grudges or resentment towards like your family members but like in gift giving seasons like birthdays and uh holidays it's always just a big group of people who are joined together well because of blood but also because of this bond this family bond the thing about gift giving too is i feel like it's because uh, as some of you probably already know that these certain languages of love that every person has and i feel like for my own parents, for in my experience, they've always been the gift givers. Gift giving as a love language is great. It's just it's just another one of the many love languages. But the problem arises when it's the only love language that you know. When you keep giving gifts but don't really know how to express your love in other ways. That's when the problem starts to arise. And, you know, this sets up an unhealthy relationship where... You know, you don't really get to communicate honestly with, with your parents because well, you only know how to express your love that way because that's that's the way that you've been conditioned to express your love. Don't get me wrong. Uh, gift giving as a love language doesn't directly mean someone is unable to communicate honestly and maturely, you know. But in my experience, the fact that that's the only love language that we, you know, primarily received it really stopped our growth for a healthy relationship with proper communication. And you know, when I look back on my childhood now, sometimes I wonder if a lot of the tensions that built up to today would have easily been solved if we just knew how to communicate our feelings. And you know, that's just sad, but that's just how that's just what we have to work with. And growing up as a child, I'm pretty sure independence wasn't really in the picture, especially for Asian families like us. 
we tend to stick with our parents even as we grow into adulthood. I know Western cultures have like a younger age bracket where the kids start to get independent. But for my experience and for I'm sure a lot of Asian families and Asian 20-year-olds listening right now, I'm sure you guys will recognize this because you've probably experienced this yourself with your own families. There's like this rope that's binding you to the family and it doesn't necessarily mean something bad because for one, yes, you're you're kind of tied to, to your family and you can't choose your family members. But at the same time, you get to have their support. You get to have their uh, love, their affection and their full support in the things that you do. Though not all, though not all of the time and not in all of our ventures. But if you know what I mean, there's always this one group that you can that you can talk to that you can open up about maybe not about everything because they're but that's an entirely different entirely different topic but the point is you have a support system that is there for you and in exchange for that is your uh independence in certain things maybe not everything unless you're in one of those more traditional families or more strict and conservative ones so when you think about independence in this sort of environment, it's not really something you consider until you grow older. So when exactly is the moment that you decide you want it? It's never really part of your vocabulary that eventually you're going to go out there and you're just going to be independent of your families. A lot of people who I've talked with, who I've really delved into this with, they express the same thing in like how you never really escape your family or maybe just your parents. You never really escape them, even as you grow into adulthood. Like some of my friends who are like in their late 20s, maybe even in their 30s, they're already in that point in their life. And yet they still have to have the approval of the parents in some of the things that they do. Maybe not everything at this point, but they still need to ask permission for stuff. I have a friend. She's in her, I think she's in her 20, she's in her 20s, but I think she's like 23 or 22. Around the same age as me, basically. She is working in Ayala, which is basically like the office, the office hub of Makati, where like the city I live in right now. She works over there. I think she's about to hit her first year in the company. But the point is she has graduated and she's working now and she's still living with her parents, which isn't an uncommon thing. But the thing is she still has to ask her parents for permission on a lot of things. You're going out, you're going to go to a party, or you're going to go to maybe just an event or just hang out with friends. There was a point where she needed my help to like get her out of the house just so she could use me as an excuse to go out. But she really had to fight for her right to get out there and to, to just, you know, go out and just not be in the vicinity of her parents. And, you know, I think that's just, that's sad but also I understand that her parents, like maybe there's some deeper thing going on there. Like maybe her parents uh, have experience with like they, the dangers of the outside and they're just worried about their child. And also because she's an only child, so you know, enough said. But there comes a certain point in your adulthood when you start thinking. You start going out of this role you play in as the child, as the sister, as the brother, you know, as a family member. And you start looking outside and you start thinking about yourself as a person. And then when you start thinking for yourself, you're going to start having thoughts of your own and you're going to start having opinions of your own and beliefs on your, of your own. The problem starts when these beliefs, these opinions, these thoughts start to clash with your parents. 
But from my experience, one of the first things that I started clashing with my parents about was religion. I stopped believing in... Well, at first, I stopped believing in God. I started questioning things, actually. As a kid, I would ask a lot of questions in church, like especially during the homily. I started questioning a lot of things. I just wanted answers, basically. And I just felt like the religion that my family was in wasn't providing enough answers to quell like my curiosity and like my search for the truth, if you will. When I started asking questions during Mass... I vividly remember my mom telling me that I was asking too many questions. And the implications of that statement is that instead of asking questions, you should just listen, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think there is benefit in asking questions and trying to find out the answers to these questions instead of just, you know, accepting what the person in the podium tells you. Although I do respect theists, whatever your religion is, I don't really. I respect each and every one of you, and I'm not here to preach about how you shouldn't believe in any of those. But my point is, I started clashing with my parents about religion. You know the worst part? Well, my mom served as a parish secretary, that's one. And then my dad is a lector, which is basically someone who comes onto the podium and then uh, recites the readings in front of everyone. And then my brother is the person who's in charge of like the PowerPoint. So I think we were a pretty religious family. I just, I feel like even as a kid, I, I realized that it wasn't for me. And that's totally fine. So like at this very young age, I started to, I started to think for myself basically. And I started to contest the things that I was told, the things that I was taught to be truth. And although this didn't really cause any like major conflicts or anything like that, it sort of like started this spark. And then I started thinking differently from them in even more ways. And it's sort of like the snowball effect of like things that I didn't really agree with, with them on. Plus, I think maybe the lack of communication. But the thing is, I started, when I started to think for myself and I started to see uh, certain things that maybe I didn't exactly agree with them on, I couldn't just rely on them on for everything. By the way, they're very sweet and kind people and I'm not here to like flame them for any of these or anything. I'm just, I think everything that I just said and everything that I'm about to say, it's always coming from a place of love. It's just that sometimes it's not communicated properly or it's not, it doesn't reflect properly. So it, it looks to me, or at the very least, like my younger self, it looks, it looked like it wasn't coming from a place of love and I didn't have enough understanding of that. And then another thing that sort of started this whole tension was growing up and eventually, I think it was around like my third year in high school, I started having feelings for this girl. She was my, I guess you could consider her my best friend. By this time, I had already read about like LGBT stuff and like how it's not a bad thing to not be your assigned gender at birth and to not like the opposite sex, basically. So by this time, I was starting to have suspicions that maybe I wasn't straight because I was closeted at that time, but but I wasn't really hiding it because, you know, I didn't really see the point. You know, growing up, like I said, I rebelled a lot, started to have thoughts about like my doubts on religion. I, I spoke out about it. And that's the same with my experience with my sexuality. I didn't really hide it. I mean, growing up, I never really liked 
dressing in pink. I never liked the girly things. I was always somewhat of a boyish type of kid, I guess. And I'm not saying that being boyish automatically means I like girls. That's not the point. But the, but the main point I'm trying to make here is I was I already wasn't like the ideal Filipino girl, all Maria Clara and all like long hair and wearing dresses and, you know, getting courted by guys. I never really fit in that category. And in high school, when I had that crush on that female best friend that I had, that's when I realized that maybe I do like girls. And it wasn't really a problem until two years ago. Yeah, this was actually pretty recent. I got drunk like over the holidays with my family on my dad's side. And you know where this is going, don't you? But I basically just started crying because I'm I'm an emotional drunk, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> I'm an emotional drunk. I cry, I scream, especially if, I, if I've had way too much. I just scream all my feelings out. And probably because it was my first time getting so wasted, I just went wild. And I started, I started screaming. And I still remember it to this day. I started screaming, Marie, bakit ayaw mo sa akin? Dahil ba mukha akong patatas? And I started screaming that. And then I just started screaming her name. I said, Marie, Marie. I just went like that for like a solid, maybe a few minutes, maybe. What I basically said was like, Marie, why don't you like me back? Is it because I look like a potato? I was, I think I was 17 at, at this time. So no one in my family knew that I liked girls. Though I'm pretty sure they had some sort of suspicion because like the stereotype of the lesbian is like, it's always someone who's butch. And since I already acted pretty butch, it was something that they already had a suspicion on. Growing up, me and my brother, I think, I'm pretty sure. We were just the bright kids and not in a good way. I remember in elementary, I never really had like a solid group of friends or not even like a best friend, someone that I could call a best friend. And everything just felt fake, if you know what I mean. Because the goal every year was always to get to the top of the class. All of my interactions, all of my friends, they were never really organic or like meeting someone because you get along with them or because you had a great friendship with them or like good compatibility with them it was always because it was always because of the grades and it sucks the closest one that i could call my best friend was someone that became my best friend quote unquote because he's like top six so he's one of like the top 10 and you gotta get along with all of the other smart kids and my basically to uh, long story short, my grade school life was always this competition. It's like one upping your one upping your classmates and like trying to get the best get the best grades and then trying to beat the competition basically. So I never really got along with my classmates. My other classmates who weren't really vying for like the top ten, they didn't really like me. It's like there's this sort of divide between the kids who were smart and then the kids who weren't. So I couldn't really relate to those who weren't like smart quote-unquote or like had good grades so you know in that way i never really got to experience you know the feeling of going to like going on sleepovers playing with your friends it was never really there for me because the focus really was on grades so you know if you combine that that grudge of like because i felt like i was robbed of my childhood but like that grudge my thoughts on like like our conflicting thoughts on the lgbt and on religion Plus, and this is the biggest thing, I think, my parents were pretty overprotective. And I don't say that lightly. I had to fight for my right to commute in high school and I only got to do so like in my fourth year. And I was like, I don't know, 15. I was on a service bus. 
the more common thing to do was for you know students to commute on their own and to learn the process of commuting on their own. Maybe in the first few first few weeks, even just the first week, you would uh, commute with your parents. But the status quo is to go to school on your own. And like in general, I'm pretty sure I've lost a lot of bonding moments with friends because I, just because I was never really allowed to go on sleepovers. I wasn't really allowed to go to things without permission, which is a valid thing. But when you ask for permission and repeatedly get shut down every time, that's when you start to feel like maybe this isn't normal. Maybe this is on the realm of like overprotectiveness. And... That would have been fine if I was just a kid, but the thing is it went on until high school and even college. Imagine I was already 18 or 17 and I was still not allowed to have sleepovers, basically. I think I was only allowed to have a sleepover, and again I had to fight for this, once in high school. And it was for a club thing, I was in the school paper. There was this thing where we had to write articles in the school overnight, and I wasn't allowed there. And it wasn't really even something for my own enjoyment, it was it was a club thing. So, you know, it's just ridiculous if you think about it. At first it was okay, but as I grew older and... I felt like it was more acceptable for me to do these things the more that that sort of like negative feeling started bubbling up from within me. Three years ago, I graduated from my college and I didn't go to work immediately because, you know, I was just tired. <laughs> when I graduated college, I didn't work immediately and I think that's also something that they didn't really approve of. I think this is pretty common in most families where you're expected to study hard because you're expected to graduate and eventually work, right? Isn't that the whole point of studying? And so there's also some tension there because I didn't want to work immediately. I graduated at 19 because I got accelerated in, yeah, I got accelerated in grade school. And then I had a trisemestral thing in college, which is basically like instead of the four-year, regular four-year course, I had that same course, but in three years instead of four so it was sort of like an expedited process. So I graduated early. I graduated at 19. I just felt like ever since I was I, w I started school, basically, I've been working so hard that I just wanted to catch a break. I think a part of me already knew that once I start working, I just never be able to get back to the childhood and then the freedom and all of that, which is a privileged thing to say. And I acknowledge that because this whole idea of working as soon as you graduate, it stems from getting out of poverty. And I had that, I had that buffer of not having to work immediately because I could afford to. And I recognize that privilege that I have. But also, I just felt like I've been working so hard. I've been constantly getting good grades ever since. And you know, a part of me still thinks to this day that my brother and I were really just studying and studying hard and getting all of these achievements. Not for ourselves, not for myself. I didn't do it for myself. I did it to get validated. I did it for the validation from my parents. And my parents wanted us to do it. Part of it is because they want us to succeed, of course, in life. But also, it almost feels like, because it's like a little medal that they have, that, oh, my child is graduate has graduated from this prestigious university. My child has graduated from this science high school. My child was valedictorian in this elementary school, whatever, whatever. I don't want to say that that's the only reason why they wanted us to strive for our studies, but it just sort of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. 
when you think of it that way. And it sucks. It sucks because, you know, I lost my childhood experiences for this. I sacrificed a lot of things for this. I wasn't even gonna go to the college that I went to. I wanted something else. Well, I told myself that it was because I loved them. And I still think I did it because I loved them. But I know now that I did it because I wanted their validation. My dream school was UP. It's the University of the Philippines. But I had to choose between that, my dream school, or La Salle, which is the school that I ended up going to. Well, La Salle is, it's a Christian school for one, a huge plus for my parents. And my original course in La Salle was going to be accountancy. And they just believed that accountancy was like the more profitable course. And, you know, it sucks because I've been, you know, I've been living my whole academic life for them. So I felt like when I graduated college, it, it almost felt like I was relieved from that responsibility. And I, it felt like I had, I owed myself these few, at least these few months, just relaxing, just resting from all of the stress and just taking some time for myself and doing the stuff that I want. And I think I'm pretty sure this is the time when I started getting into cosplay and, you know, just wo just working on all of my hobbies, all of the things that I wanted to do. Here's the thing. When I did decide to start working, I didn't go to an office job. I didn't go to that traditional 9 to 5 job thing. I started looking into online jobs and I started dipping my toes into this online jobs thing. And then after that, I worked for the company that I'm working for today. I worked online, freelancing online basically, and I never went to an office job. And that's a big no-no for my parents because you know they've always had this especially my dad he's always had this ideal child that he wants me to be he wants me to be like the maria clara like i mentioned before wearing dresses being courted by guys and then working working a nine to five job and then working my way up towards the senior position and then eventually retiring that's what he had planned for me basically and once again i didn't want that and i didn't push through with that and i think that's also one of the conflicts, one of the causes of that tension. That's some of like the negative stuff that I noticed in like my own experience in my family. But again, I want to reiterate that I absolutely adore my family. I love them, each and every one of them. But then when I thought about it, I also thought there's also positive stuff that I've gotten from this family. You know, we got what we wanted. We got into good schools. We never really had to worry about finances as much as others did. I was never really hit. When you think about it, when I thought about it, I just did some self-reflection. You start to realize that there's always someone who has it worse than you. But that doesn't mean you're not struggling, right? Just because maybe a kid in Africa is starving doesn't mean you can not worry about like your business, your grades, or whatever it is that you're worrying about. And I still believe this that my concerns about these were pretty valid and then the pandemic happened you know with all of these little grudges that piled up as i grew older starting from when i when i first contested religion and then when i discovered i was gay and then when i stopped being like the top student and then i didn't work a nine to five job 
I feel like that was their grievances towards me. And then my own grievances towards them was like the overprotectiveness, uh, the lack of communication, and then the lack of independence. You know, it, it just sort of clashed again and again. And then with the pandemic, you, you can't really go out much. You can't, you're always stuck with the people at home, staying at home, and you're just with seeing each other's faces every day. That sort of broke the camel's back, basically. And then also, because of the pandemic, on one hand, you have this scary, scary pandemic thing where going out will, you know, going out is very dangerous. And then add that with the overprotectiveness. And when you combine them, what do you get? An even stricter household, an even stricter rules, set of rules at home. So when you have me, someone who I really want to be independent and I really wanted to think for my own and I wanted to have my own freedom. And you have that and a strict set of rules. It's just going to be chaos. You combine all of that and, you know, it just burst. And I started looking into homes, houses, and like guides for like blog posts about moving out. And is it really appropriate for me to move out? Stuff like that. I started really considering it. I started looking into apartments, looking into how much furniture would cost, how much I would need. I started looking into budgeting and finances. I'm a huge fan of like the Graham Stephan show. It's, it's like this finance youtuber who does a lot of a lot of videos on finance and budgeting and uh, financial freedom i started looking into it and seeing if i could afford it basically what happened was i became decided that i wanted to move out and i did the funny thing about this is i never really had like a talk with them where i just sat down and i started explaining that this is what i feel this is the reasons why and then this is why i'm moving out and I sort of just started communicating it with them subliminally, I guess you could say that. I would talk to my sister and I started talking to her openly about uh, houses and apartments and condo units and stuff like that. Eventually, I just told my mom point blank right before she went to bed and this was pretty bad. I told my mom, Nay, may naanap na akong lilipatan. Mom, I found a place to move in. What happened is she just started asking me one by one calmly questions like how much is the rent and then i told her it's eleven thousand five hundred pesos per month and then she said where is it i, said, I told her it's south sambo and then i she just asked all of that and then when she ran out of questions and i answered all of them honestly and when she ran out of questions she just went up went to bed and that was it and then in addition to that i also started buying my own food even though we lived in the same house i started buying my own food i bought canned goods i bought snacks i never really bought like my own frozen food because i wouldn't know how to store it unless i stored it in the freezer it would just be in everyone's communal place space so i had these two large plastic bags inside one huge echo bag where all of my stuff was at you know just show them that I was basically making a statement, is what it was. I was making a statement that I can afford to not be reliant on you guys. Here's also one positive thing about them, but also could be a negative. They don't ask me for like money to pay the bills. I do pay the bills. I had to fight for it, so just so I could pay the bills. Imagine that. I started contributing for the electricity bills, and then I wanted to actually contribute more, but they didn't want me to. So I started showing how independent i was and how adult i was basically at <laughs> that moment by buying things independently and by moving and doing things independently so 
here comes the move out day. All of my stuff was packed. I had a few bags. We put all of the bags in in the truck. I went to my I went to my grandma. My grandmom and granddad live right beside where we where we live, where we rent an apartment. So I went up to my grandparents and I hugged them for the last time because I wouldn't be able to just go there to talk to them anymore unless I visited. And I said my goodbyes and we went off. My dad, since my dad was the one who I really didn't have a good relationship with the most, he stayed. I went to the new place with my mom, my brother, and my sister. We had some food, just, you know, getting stuff for lunch. And we just talked, and then my mom started nagging me about... I'm saying this in an endearing way. She nagged me about the outlets and, like, not having water splashed on them and stuff like that. We just had a nice, peaceful time eating our last meal together, basically. The most emotional part was... When they had to leave and so when the moment finally came that they had to walk out that door and i could start my very first day living alone in this tiny apartment where i'm recording this right now my mom went up to me and she gave me a big tight hug and she started crying and then she told me i still remember this very clearly she told me, nakakainis ka talaga, nakakainis ka talaga, which is basically like, you're so annoying, you're so annoying. But I know she doesn't mean it, like, you know, she doesn't mean that literally, but like, I just took that to mean that she hates having to experience this transition of me moving out and not being there in the house anymore and not being with her. My God, I'm gonna tear up just thinking about this. But she gave me a big hug. And then my brother followed suit. The thing about this whole me moving out stuff is, especially with my brother, the biggest thing that I lost when I moved out is uh, my brother. My brother and I would were like the closest siblings you will ever meet. He and I would always talk about deep, like the deep things, like the stuff that we were worried about, the stuff that we were thinking about that we couldn't really tell anyone else, at least for me. He was, he was like my best friend, basically. All of my life, he was my best friend. I could tell him about everything. He knows all about like my, like my experience with my ex, my, like my feelings for like the family and why I moved out and stuff like that. Who really gets everything, who really knows the full story about my, my life, basically. And so, you know, having that hug with my brother and seeing him crying too, that was, that really hit me, you know. And, you know, I started crying too. And eventually, yeah, they left. And that was it. And I remember eating the leftover food from the lunch that we had. We had like a bucket of, a bucket of chicken. It started to dawn on me that, okay, this is it. This is my life now and like but not in a bad way in a good way of like this is finally like my first day to freedom my first day to actual true independence and I, I just started eating I just started eating chicken on the floor <laughs> iconically and I really was happy I was happy and I still am I think I at least I think I am I'm happy that I moved out and so that was it that just started the whole thing and so fast forward from that day of moving out, I've been doing pretty well, I can, I can say. I've been learning a lot and I've been using what I've learned to live life responsibly, basically. And 
Fast forward to six months after, as I'm recording this podcast, you might be wondering, why did I make this podcast? So what led to this moment? Well, I'm in my early 20s, so I want to learn from other people who have been there and have had some perspective. Because as much as it was freeing to start living on your own, you also can't deny, I can't deny this, that there's a lot of things in adult life that we need to we need to adjust that we need to talk about that we need to learn about from other people i want this podcast to be something that a 20 year old can listen to and can learn from and start reflecting on their own because all of these things that i tell you they're pretty useless if you don't really try to reflect on it and try to see how it applies to you so then if i made this podcast to learn from other people from other people from other walks of life with different perspectives why didn't i just learn from parents why did i have to move out and then eventually i would just start looking for a perspective anyway why didn't i just ask them if this was like the end game anyway well i want to be able to apply these things in my own terms without you know the clutches of a hand grabbing my wrist when i'm crossing the road like i'm i don't know five years old when i'm literally 22 as i record this i just want to learn to read the stop signs of life and decide on my own if i want to stop look and listen or get run over and learn my lesson so i think the biggest takeaway here is adulting is one of the few certain things that we just have to go through in our life whether we like it or not we have to grow up we have to do these things we have to be we have to act like responsible adults and we have to learn these things and so we can't always hide in our in our parents homes our parents basements forever but what we can do is either we move out and we learn from it or we start learning even while we're with our parents we start learning about these things we start really thinking about our future we start doing all of the cliche stuff. The cliche stuff are cliche because they're true, you know. And I think another thing that I want you to take away from this, if you could only take one thing away from this, it's also that parents will be parents. They might not always be right. They might not always do things that we like. They might not always do what's best for us, even though they think they're doing what's best for us. But at the end of the day, we still love them. We still appreciate them and we... And of course, the, the exception is if you have like an abusive or some sort of toxic relationship there. But generally speaking, our parents are like the way they are because they want what's best for us or like their perception of what's best for us. And at the end of the day, despite all of the conflicts, despite all of the misunderstandings and the grudges, we still or I still, at least I think so, we still love our parents and we have to recognize that sometimes there's just a lot of miscommunication involved. And so the key is, if you're still in good terms and living with your parents, you know, just cherish them and try to understand that they might be looking at this differently. That's why they're acting in a way that you don't really like. That's why you're having disagreements. That's on one hand. But on the other hand, you also have to know when is the point where you should start deciding for yourself. What is the point where okay, I know what I'm doing is right and I know this is just some misguided thought that my parents have. So you have to decide for yourself because adulthood, it's all about decisions. And it's okay to make wrong decisions. That's why we have mistakes and from mistakes we learn. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. 
Just keep pushing and whatever happens, just know that everything will be okay. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and I'll see you next week. Next week, we'll continue to learn more about adulthood and talk about more significant topics you might be interested in. Next Monday, we're going to talk all about time. They say that time is gold. Time is short. How do we make it work in our favor and stop chasing it? Tune in next week for some special tips for you that I've learned from several people who have absolutely nailed time management. Want to ask a question on a future episode of Quarter Life Coffee? Leave a comment on our YouTube channel, Quarter Life Coffee. I'm also on Instagram at AGCDI. That's E-I-J-I-S-H-I-R-I-A-I. A-G-C-D-I. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week.